Welcome to the Damn Good Dogcast. This is your host, Robert Reynolds. Got a lot to talk about. Got a special guest coming to talk A&M. Let's talk A&M football. Sorry about that, guys, having some technical difficulties. Anyways, Georgia. Um, Georgia football, a lot to look forward to. Uh, obviously, with the NFL draft tonight, you have several guys that potentially could be first-round draft picks. You, I mean, look no further. Azizo Jalari, you have uh, Stokes and Campbell potentially going into the first round. So there's a lot to look forward to tonight. For if you're a dog fan, uh, even if you don't cover the NFL, I don't really get into the NFL too much. However, we'll be watching it, see where these dogs go. Also, just popped out 2 p.m. tomorrow. Denylon Morris set is uh, set to announce his commitment, and boy, what a big commitment it will be! I'm gonna make my prediction now. I think he's a dog. Uh, I just think that he's he fits the bill for that. Um, obviously, that starts to recruiting uh, for receivers anyway. Uh, you know, you look at a receiving class that I think is going to be huge for this uh, cycle. You know, I think you can look at Evan Stewart, uh, Kojo, Antwi, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of room for these guys, and it's going to have a loaded receiver cl- uh, class this, uh, this cycle, I should say. Uh, on that note, though, uh, more things talking football. Obviously, you know, I'm ready for the, uh, the regular season to start. Um, let's look, pop in, see if anybody's in the comments right now. I don't see anybody just yet. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I think if I'm having to make a prediction here, I'm not doing a, a draft preview or anything like that, uh, you know, show or anything. But I will make my prediction where I think uh, Aziz will go, and I think he goes to the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens let go of several people, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they lose Judon. What a fit he would be on the Ravens. Um, it would just be insane. I just I just don't see it any other way. I think that would be a great fit for him. Uh, hard-nosed football. Yeah, I think you look for Aziz to have that 3-4 type or – yeah, I should say, yeah, that 3-4 type guy um, coming off the edge, right? Everybody knows if you're a dog fan, he's an elite pass rusher. There's no question about it. With that being said, you really have to look at what he's, you know, is what he's a fit for, right? It's hard to really tell these guys to go in and, you know, play in a system that they don't fit in. Obviously, that's why you get drafted to where you go. It's like uh, Jake Fromm is a perfect example. I questioned that pick in the fifth round heavily because knowing from and knowing his arm strength and things like that, the questions, you know, kind of made no sense uh, when when he got drafted to Buffalo, uh, especially with Josh Allen there. Uh, even as a backup, it kind of didn't make sense. Uh, you know, certain quarterbacks are just not built to to sustain and, and play in certain places. Um, so it, to me, that didn't make sense. 
I don't see Aziz falling into that category. I, I think you see Aziz as a surefire first round. I've heard talks about him going into the second or slipping into the second. I just don't see that. Uh, he's just too good. NFL's a passing game now, like a true pass-happy uh, league right now. You, uh, every team needs uh, great elite guys off the edge. Aziz is your guy. I, I think you have to, right? I think you just have to do that. And, um, you know, and obviously, like, you look at Stokes and um, Campbell, right? Depending on the situation, this is why you hear guys talking about possibly getting drafted into the first round. You hear, you know, what about the potential on runs on cornerbacks, right? If that happens, I think you could look into guys maybe trading up uh, from, you know, that wouldn't be taking another first-round pick, trading up to get a cornerback like Stokes or a cornerback like Tyson Campbell. So there is a good possibility that could happen. Obviously, it's a draft, and we don't really know. right? We don't really know, um, but it's always good to speculate. It's always very good to speculate. So, you know, on that note, though, um, I'm going to take a quick break, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more, uh, and then we'll have our special guest on uh, to talk Texas A&M football. So on that note, let's take a quick break brought to you by Buzzsprout. Ever since I started podcasting, I've used Buzzsprout. And let me tell you this, you cannot go wrong with Buzzsprout. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. One of the hardest things about creating and starting your own podcast is not knowing what to do. Buzzsprout, it's super easy. You, they will help you out in regards to what to do. Buzzsprout will get your show listed in every major podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout is the best partner you could imagine. Uh, you'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, uh, and other tools to promote your episodes. And there's a lot more than just that. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Follow the link in the show notes and let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for the paid plan. And it helps support our show. Welcome back. As I was talking before the break, uh, obviously the first round of the NFL draft is tonight. And all eyes from the state of Georgia, um, you know, looking into potentially up to possibly two to three guys that could be first round picks. Uh, obviously, it's a good time, you know, to be a Georgia fan when it comes to the NFL draft. Because obviously, I think you look at if we get those first round picks, that's going to do so much. It's going to do so much for recruiting. Uh, I mean, where, where we are in regards to recruiting now uh, could only help get these guys uh, if we see. Uh, one, obviously one, I think. Uh, but if we see multiple first-round picks, definitely worth looking into. Um, it basically improved success for the recruiting front, which would be very hard to really improve, but it can be done. Um, obviously, looking into um, state of recruiting, right? Uh, you know, I think you look at a lot of these guys, and they, they pay attention to your Georgias and to your Bamas and Floridas or whoever, right? These guys go in first round. 
first round first round picks mean so much <clears throat> in recruiting. <clears throat> you have to account for that. You just have to. You really can't. I guess you could say you can't benefit enough from having those guys. Guys want to play in the league, and when you do that, it only brings more success to your program, and obviously more, uh, <clears throat> more um, recruits, right? Better recruits. Uh, also, um, <clears throat> there is some. We'll probably talk about this in a little bit as well, but the, I guess you could say the push for an expanded college football playoff. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to talk to Jordy here in a little bit, and I'm going to get his opinion on this as well. But if you're if you're listening to this or you're watching live, um, definitely want to get your opinion on you know or your thoughts on the expansion um, and how that would play out and what are, what are your thoughts on that. Uh, so while while the show's going, uh, feel free to comment, chime in. Uh, we'll read the comments and, and kind of go from there. Um, you know, but I, I like it. I really think that it's a uh, that it's it's a needed. Um, it's really needed at this point. Uh, I feel like the playoffs, I mean, obviously you have to be good to make it, but it, it, to me, it's kind of gotten still. So on that note, though, we'll bring in the man himself, Jordy. How are you doing? Pretty good. Can you hear me? I can. All righty. Yes, sir. Uh, glad to be here. It's a little nasty day over here in Texas with the weather, but all things is it's a wonderful day to be alive. Hey, fair enough. It's draft night, first uh, first round of the draft. I was talking earlier. Um, I was actually uh, talking about uh, basically the expansion of the college football playoffs. Um, let's jump right in on that one. I know talking before the show, you had a, a couple thoughts about it, and I just want to see where you are. But um, after that, I think we'll expand out, and we'll talk some uh, A&M football for you. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the push for the expansion of the playoffs? Uh, one of the articles I was reading could see it as maybe as much as 12 teams in the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that? So I'm messing with those settings real quick. My opinion is where we're at is not a very good place for the game, as in college football. I think the BCS is better than four, but eight is better than the BCS in my opinion. Whereas, so right now you're just creating, everybody was going and getting all crazy about the super league over in Europe. And then they started doing all this stuff over here. And that's basically what you're having. It's not a, it's a smaller super league, but you're not allowing teams to compete with Georgia, Clemson, Ohio state, and Alabama, everybody else. I mean, you can have a good team, but you're not going to be able to compete. And LSU won the Natty. You know, they they kind of caught lightning in a bottle there, and now their recruiting is picking up. So they might be able to be that sixth – well, that, yeah, the sixth team there. But as far as A&M goes, they're out recruiting Texas. They're, out, they're, they're recruiting very well, top five, top seven classes every year. But the guys like uh, uh, Jalen Waddle. And the guy from Alito this year, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but AM has been in the hunt for guys like that, and they just cannot get that sure. He's no matter what he does on campus, he's gonna be a first round draft pick. They can't get that at the skilled position right now. 
because the guys that are taking them are part of that quote unquote super league. And the whole thing is, is, you know, we are competing as best as we can with what we're getting, but the NCAA is almost holding you back. Um, and, you know, it wasn't – there was a lot more rotation of power in the BCS era than there has been in the college football playoff era. So if you go to eight and give everybody an opportunity – so this year I think if Oklahoma would have gotten in, they would have done a little bit more damage than everybody expected, and that would have boosted them. I They already recruit nationally on offense, but I think it would have really boosted their defensive recruiting nationally in this coming class and the one before – as well as like in 2012, if there was eight teams, A&M theoretically could have made the semis or even won the damn thing with Johnny because nobody was playing better ball than them at the end of the year. Yeah, But you're never going to get that right now with four teams. It's going to be perceived as and, – and part of the thing with the college football playoff is you have the human element and the human element looks at a roster and looks at recruiting rankings and what is projected. And it's going to be hard to overcome – Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, either Georgia or LSU, whoever that fourth, you know, all that. It's going to be hard to overcome that and be that fourth team when you're doing everything that you can, but no matter what you do, it's not good enough unless you're in the SEC. And in the SEC, you have Alabama, who's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, I, you know, looking at it now, you know, kind of obviously if, if anybody didn't pay attention last year, a&M kind of hit that same club that Georgia's been in on a several occasions, right, uh, already. Uh, mm-hmm. You do, you know, you do enough, you know, you know, for A&M's case, y'all lost early to Bama. That was your only loss. You sit there and you basically get snubbed out in that fifth spot. Um, and I, as a Georgia fan that's been there twice already, we know exactly how you feel, and it's just frustrating. Obviously, with Georgia, we've played Bama twice in SEC Georgia. I would say we played LSU one back in 2019, uh, and then 2020, obviously Bama. So, or not, or not 2020, but 2018, 2019. Right, sorry. Right. But um, you know, looking into that, right? Obviously, like you said, Bama is one of those teams that not really many people can beat. Um, you you look really the only team that I can actually say that's kind of beat them with some success and, and somewhat consistent, not even a full consistency, was Gus Malzahn and Auburn. And, you know, other than that, there's really not a lot of people that are going to touch Bama, period. Now, as you were saying, I think expanding the playoffs, I would say eight to start. You know, that would be a key there. And there's several reasons why I think that it would it would benefit college football in itself. First, you know, Saban talked about how, if you know, expanding the playoffs would devalue the um, – it would devalue the uh, the bowls, right? Right. I don't believe that. These bigger bowls outside of the New Year's Six, basically, if you add the playoff games, those New Year's Six bowls automatically turn into playoff games. But then you have bigger games for the, like, basically you're sliding things up. So these bowls, you know, that people, you know, are lesser known, I think would get slid up because more – I guess you could say more powerful teams, right? Teams that are just right. out of the playoffs would be filling those spots. So, you know, if you're looking at maybe like a, you know, an outback bowl, right? Just as an, or a belt bowl or whatever, you know, you put, you put a powerful team, you know, that's just outside the playoffs, right? If you put like a, you know, like a 10th ranked Florida team, uh, you know, and then put them against like a, a Texas team at number 11, right? Right. People's going to watch that game, even if it's not a New Year's Six bowl 
too. I think outside of that right there, it's going to value. I think it brings the value up. Two, you're going to see less opt-outs. Look at, and I don't think you had, I don't think Texas A&M had necessarily worry about it a ton. But when you look at Georgia, when we missed the playoffs, you know, oh, and Florida, yeah. for example, against Oklahoma, Florida had all of their guys opt out. If that was the that game, was the wildest one ever. Like in when you're talking injuries and in, and in just in general opt outs for the draft, opt outs, injuries, everything. I think Kyle Pitts had what well, I mean, not Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask. It was him and maybe one other starter left, maybe two. I don't remember what it was, but there that were, offense really was, was no. Just Trask. Um, yeah, from what I remember, that, what everybody knows from that offense, uh, Tony sat out, Pitts sat out. So you were looking at a shorthanded Florida staff, mm-hmm. you know. But when you win the SEC, whether it's the East or the West, it doesn't matter where you go. You, the The microscope is on you, right? Mm-hmm. And Florida just got – there's no other way to put it. They got mollywopped by Oklahoma. And, right. like, like, Florida wasn't even there. And I'm going to save it for another day, but obviously Dan Mullen's uh, comments after the game, you know, that right there in itself devalued the bowl in itself, right? Trying right. to make the excuse to kind of devalue the loss, make it not as, as not as big or like you weren't really trying to, you know, do whatever – Shit like that is really what is going to devalue these bowl games. Right. You have eight teams or 12 teams in four or six, seven maybe different uh, bowl games, right? You know, keep the Rose Bowl as your national title or something like that, right? There's always these theories going around on how to do it. If you you make six or seven playoff games, you add a week for one. So basically college Mm -hmm. football fans are going to be happy because that's an extra week of football to watch. But two, if the way you seed – these games, right? Whether it's if you get your Power Five conferences, right? The, each conference championship gets a guaranteed spot. You know, you you take a power or in a group of five, right? The highest ranked group of five, and then two at large. Those two at large could be key, right there, right? It's going to give people the incentives, the incentive to play into that. So they're going to put forth the effort, and you're going to get a better quality game. Uh, and, and and the regular season will mean more. Um, now, at the end of the day, I think you're going to see a two-loss team make it to the playoffs. But, but you saw this, and, and Georgia is definitely on the way here. Scheduling your out-of-conference regular season games against marquee names. Georgia set up Clemson again, uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma. That's mm-hmm. just to name a few, right? right. College football is leaning that way. And honestly, if you expand the playoffs, you're going to get more marquee matchups like that and a better product when it comes to the college football playoffs. I uh, So I, I agree with that, but I was thinking about something today, and I think it needs to be set up. If you expand it, it needs to be set up to where the ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, and SEC, I think I said them all, the, the, the Power Five all get a champion, and then you have enough – so I think you have to go to at least eight. You get two at largest, and then you can have room for the power five. I mean, the non-AQ, if there is one, kind of like Cincinnati. Um, but as far as saving the bowl system, I was kind of wanting to pick your brain here. I am of the opinion that there's there's a bunch of different things you can do here. I don't hate going back to just a national championship game. I don't hate it. Uh, it's better than what we have now, in my opinion. I also 
what do you think about changing the requirements to seven and five? I think that would fix a lot of problems there because then, you know, I mean, six, six and six would probably eliminate like the Vanderbilts every now and then and stuff like that. But if you go seven and five, or, you know, you change the requirements, whatever it is, or limit the amount of, or get rid of the amount of bowls. Obviously there's money to be made in the NCAA is money hungry. So that would never happen. But theoretically, Changing the number of wins needed to get into a bowl versus or limiting the number of bowls would, I think, fix the back half of your bowls and either expanding the playoffs or or going back to just a national championship game would fix the, the, the Florida situation, the Georgia situation against Texas. All that would – and. As long as you have guys that are worrying about their career, which is where everything's headed to, it's becoming more about the player and less about school pride with these upper echelon schools. You're always going to have bowl opt-outs, and I don't think that's going to ever get fixed unless you expand the playoffs. But as far as making the games more important and getting the guys' attentions for the ones that are there – so, I mean – I feel like Georgia in 2018, even the guys that were playing in that game, they realized that they didn't want to be there. They realized that they missed out on a chance at a national championship or a, or a chance at playing for one. And then so they had no motivation to be there, whereas Texas had every motivation in the world. And those guys, like the, the seniors were like, this is my last one. I'm going out on top. We're going to beat this SEC guy. And the juniors, even the guys that were coming back for Georgia was like, okay, it's on to next year. Who gives a shit about this game? Yeah, so, I see that. I don't know. What do you think about changing the six and six requirement? Is basically my question. Well, I, I think you have to look into. I mean, you really have to look into the overall scheme of things, right? You could take away. You know, if you do raise that up, you know, there are certain teams that aren't going to make it. So, how does that impact the amount of bowls? Right. Right. So you have to keep that into mind. Uh, also, if you expand the playoffs, you have to look into. You know. Maybe you add a couple more bowls to compensate for the the playoff bowl games, right? So, you know, if you do that, I I think you get a better quality product, right? Um, But how would it impact the regular season? You know, you look at teams just within the SEC, you look at South Carolina and Vanderbilt, right? Arkansas, which, you know, you see those teams that you know aren't going to get close. You know what I mean? Like, more likely you might come close, but it's more likely not going to happen. How does that impact the regular season? Right. So when it comes to that, you know, I, I could see that coming in. Um, but honestly, I, I, I think I like it at six and six. And, and the reason being, you know, you're going to have your pros and cons, but the, you know, there's some teams in there that start, you know, there's injuries, right? You can take a toll. Uh, some teams might be better than their six and six school, uh, record. Um, now, obviously, you have that situation where some teams just are what they are. But at the end of the day, you know, situations arise like that. But I see both ways there. And I don't think it'll be a problem either way. Because, I mean, let's be honest, those are going to be your back end bowls for the most part anyway. Right. So, you know, but at the end of the day, you do want to try to make the bowl game experience in every bowl game, try to make it as, you know, as important as possible. So I can see the yeah. seven and five thing going yeah um, there I, I there's something's got to be done there there's about to be a lot of money lost you know th- i mean was it the belt bowl had the greatest social media rep ever 
And, you know, they, they just couldn't make it because you're just losing so much money because nobody gives a crap about your bowls anymore. Um, I think push is going to come to shove where you're either going to have to expand the playoffs to make the other bowls more important or you're going to have to, you know, make a requirement like, okay, you can either be seven and five or, or, or maybe it's, you know, not letting as many bowls be a possibility or limiting the amount of SEC teams or something like that. You know, there's just a – in a money-driven world, the bowl games are losing way too much money these days. And yeah. it pushes about to come to shove. I, I don't see it happening right away, but there's definitely things in the works about how to basically make people their, make it worth their money. So whatever that Fair may enough. be, who knows? Fair so. enough. Now, I want to kind of switch over here. Um, what I want to do, obviously we're talking about bowl games, right? And I want to kind of go through a spring – or not a spring, but a season preview – for AM. Right. So I'm gonna pop up your AM schedule right here. 13 and 0, calling it right now. <laughs> 13 and <laughs> 0. <laughs> no. Uh, there we go. There. So obviously, you know, looking at your schedule, I think Texas AM, without even looking at the schedule, obviously gonna be in the hunt for the SEC West. I think maybe a second place. Um, you know, second place finish is reasonable, maybe even first, you know, depending on, you know, how Bama handles the uh, loss of Mac Jones, Waddle, uh, Devontae and all that. Right. But um, So we'll kind of break this down. We're going to go into, uh, you know, the top half. Uh, we'll go, you know, we'll go from your first game to your bye week and then we'll flip around and do the last four. Uh, so obviously you start off against Kent State, uh, you know, then you go, you know, to Colorado back home against right. New Mexico. Uh, you're playing a neutral site game against Arkansas. Then you so home, real then quick you on that Arkansas Mexico. game. Real quick on that Arkansas game. I would not be surprised if they give us. I mean, they're bringing back everybody off that team they had last year, and I I don't think it's crazy to think that Arkansas could be a seven win team this year. Um, but I. They always give us a tough one, so I, I don't know how much Georgia fans follow A and M and Arkansas, but even in Arkansas's sorriest years over the past seven years, I think A and M's had a double digit lead or double digit win against them twice out of the. And Arkansas hasn't made but one bowl game in the last seven years or two bowl games, and A and M still can never put them away. Last year was the first year that we kind of took care of business against them. But they return a lot. Basically, everybody but their quarterback and running backs. Oh well, and then Mike Woods recently transferred, so that yeah, might affect my that, opinion that on be, it now. That might be a huge blow for Arkansas. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that affects them. Their running game was what did A and M in last year. Mm -hmm. um, they opened up about a three touchdown lead, and then A and M just forgot how to tackle for the first time in three years in the run game and they weren't filling their gaps. And so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But if you like to watch, uh, I guess it's the closest thing A&M has to a rivalry game right now in the SEC. It's always good football or good competition, high, high intensity. The football is not always the greatest, but it's, it's always a fun game to watch. So if I don't know who Georgia plays that weekend, but if y'all have a buy or you're looking for something to watch at your tailgate, I wouldn't, I would suggest, turning on Arkansas A&M for at least the first half. It's normally a little edgy and, and high intensity. Yeah, we'll, we'll be playing uh, Vanderbilt that week. So, uh, <laughs> no, you got a tough one there. Vanderbilt handled 
the 2020 season. I'm sure every Georgia fan is going to turn that game on and hope to God that Kirby lets it go and drop 70 on them. Um, yeah. That, that's, I have a feeling that's almost a consensus feeling around the state of Georgia right now, or at least the program, right, from a right. fan base. Uh, you know, but looking into the eight games right here, you know, obviously you're replacing, you know, Kellen Mond, and obviously the quarterback is the most important position. Uh, I think you're, if I'm not mistaken, Haynes King uh, is going to be the starter there. And honestly, he's projected, think, yes, sir. Well, projected starter. Yes, sir. Uh, and honestly, I think you look at, you know, being, I don't know really what to take from Haynes. I know he's young. Uh, you know, Kellen had that experience, right? He may not have been the most flashy kid by any means. Uh, but he was smart, and he, you know, obviously he made mistakes from time to time. But I mean, he did kind of, you know, lead you to where y'all were last year. So replacing so, him is going to be tough. You, uh, I, I, you may know this guy, but there's this cat that I think he's from Georgia. Uh, his name might be Justin Fields. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his uh, Haynes King's testing numbers are all within either better or within like a tenth or an inch of Justin Fields. In my opinion, he throws a better ball than Justin Fields. He's just not as, you know, as big in stature. Justin Fields probably has, I think, an inch and a half, two inches on him, and then probably 10 pounds, which is the biggest difference there for me. Um, so Haynes King has he, – he has quite the uh, accolades behind his name, state champion in Texas – his uh, dad's a high school football – was his high school football coach. The guy knows the game. It's all about – and you saw with Kellen, it's all about picking up Jimbo's offense. And it's really hard for that to work out with a young guy. But if there's anybody that can do it, it'll be him. And uh, something that we've talked about several times on our show, if Zach Calzada ends up winning the job over Haynes King – that means AM will be extremely dangerous this year because there's something there that Jimbo sees in him that, you know, you're basically throwing away this borderline five-star quarterback because he'll more than likely transfer out for a guy that's only going to be there two more years more than likely. So um, the biggest question for AM is not at quarterback. Um, it's more about what the quarterback has around him this year. Yeah. So, so- – with that being said, I think you look at the first eight games. Um, I think, you know, kind of a, a looking at it right here, obviously Kent State I think is a win. Colorado is a win. Uh, New Mexico is a win. Um, you know, then you go to Arkansas, right? So I think, you know, that's going to be a tough game. P- Coach Pittman has that team buying in and playing good football. They really played good football last year. Um, I said it last year as well. If, they, if he won three games – uh, being a first-year coach, that he's he he had a good year, and he did. So, I, I think that team's going to expand. However, I think just A and M right now has too much talent for Arkansas to really handle. I know they play it tough, but I'm gonna call a win there. You look at Mississippi State. I I don't see Mississippi State. This FPI rankings that ESPN gave out. I don't think <laughs> it too much. So I think you beat Mississippi State. Yeah. Then it comes Alabama, and I think this game right here is going to be your first loss, um, and it's just because it's Alabama. Um, I, I think I think looking at it, I think Texas A&M has one of the best shots to beat Alabama in the regular season. I think that's the biggest threat for them. If if they get past A&M, I think they go through the regular season undefeated. I don't see Florida being a problem for Bama, nothing like that. 
then you look at Missouri and South Carolina. I, I think you literally come out of that stretch right there, seven and one. I, I right. don't see Missouri being too big of a problem for you, and I don't see South Carolina with with uh, you know with Shane Beamer there. I, I just see y'all going into the bye week at seven and one. I don't disagree there. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into, but real quick on the Alabama game. So the biggest deal this year is A&M and their offensive line. They lost four or five starters off of what was, in my opinion, the best offensive line in college football last year, regardless of what the Joe Moorhead Award said. Um, the thing is, is A&M's coaches are putting out Feel, not feelers, but the giving off the impression that this offensive line could be better if they can gel quickly enough. They're dealing with a lot of bumps and bruises. They won't be as deep is the biggest problem. So last year they had these guys that were behind them that, you know, in all honesty are more talented, just not as far developed. Um, so we, whenever you got into a bump or bruise last year, you could plug in these guys behind them and you wouldn't really miss too much of a beat. Now they're having to put these – Five, they, they've got about seven to eight guys when fall camp comes that are going to be rotating, have a chance at starting. Um, and if you get a bump or bruise there, there's not really much behind those guys right now except for true freshmen. So the whole deal is is how well can they come together as a unit, and that's that's all the coaches are saying is if they can mesh like they did last year, you got an all Amer potential All-American at left tackle, but then you've got four other guys that haven't started before. So, um, but they are all, in the coach's opinion, more talented than the ones that before them. There, which, um, and on top of that, AM kind of held their own offensively against Alabama. There was a pick six, Kellen made a poor decision. But then after that, they were just trying to play catch up and getting out of the rhythm because the defense couldn't keep anybody in front of them. We'll see, you know, Alabama's has got five stars all over the field. Um, but I think there will be a big step back in, you know, I don't think you have three first-rounders on the roster right now at whiteout. So um, if A&M can keep Bama underneath, I, I think A&M could potentially win this game 42-38. I don't know if you keep Bama under 38, but, but A&M that, will have – I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a tough task. No, no, it's definitely a tough task. Um, but if you can keep them at 40 or under 40, and then we'll have a real chance. The the thing that Jimbo's going to want to do is run it down their throats. You know, that's not like they did against Florida for six yards of carry. In this game, it would look more like, you know, two, three here, get a six there, uh, let the quarterback find these guys that are open when it's time. Um, and they were doing just that in the first half last last week or last year. And then it kind of fell apart after the pick six. And then they started trying to play catch up and then it got ugly. Um, but the thing is, is A&M has potentially the best defense in college football. Georgia would probably argue against that. Alabama would probably argue against that. I was talking to a guy on our podcast today and we think, depending on how things play out, because everybody has these fringe guys, A&M potentially has eight draft picks coming off of this defense for the 2022 draft next year. Um, with two of them being potential for one of them being a top five pick in De DeMarvin Leal. And then um, Damani Richardson could end up as a, the safety could end up as a top first round, second round pick. So I, I think A&M can do it is the question is, is where will the offensive line look like 
what is that one, two, three, four, five, the seventh game of the or sixth game of the season, what will they look like there? Will they be meshing well or will they still be playing, you know, like feeling each other out? If they're feeling each other out, that Alabama defense will give them hell and you could see something turn into 52-24 again or something like that. But in all in all realistic expectations, you should be seven and one going into the bye week hosting Auburn. So. You know, and I think, like you said, I think you're looking at seven and one, and then kind of to keep moving forward here. Obviously, you have your bye week, and I yes, think sir. it's well deserved after you know playing Bama, and then you know look before Auburn. I, I don't trust Auburn. I just don't with Harson there. Bo Nix is average to me, um, so I think that's a win as well. Yes, the, sir. The problem, the problem here comes with Ole Miss playing in Oxford. That offense is going to be extremely potent. Uh, I know you. Right. I know AM boasts one of the better defenses in the country, but let's be honest here. Ole Miss just has so much firepower. They gave Alabama fits. You know, they gave right. everybody really fits. So, I think that is a potential game that you got to watch out for. Um, I, I'm going to make the prediction here that y'all win it, but barely. Uh, then you go to uh, Prairie View A&M. I think that's one of those blowout games. Get you ready for, uh, you know, the Bayou down there. Uh, and then you go into LSU, the last game. I think you pull out a squeaker there. I'm going to give you the benefit of doubt and go squeaker. Uh, yeah. You know, just past LSU. Uh, I have no idea what to think game. about those guys this year. What was that? I have no idea what to think about those guys this year. I mean, theoretically, you look at the recruiting class and what they returned. Um and they should be stout, but I, you know, LSU is just a hit or miss team. They've always recruited at the same level, so I, I don't know what your opinion is on them. I, I'd love to hear yours because all I hear is those guys over from one team, one podcast, tell us how they're going to beat Bama and win the Natty this year. And I don't believe that, but I don't believe they're the sub five hundred team that they were last year. No, they're not. They're not a sub five hundred team. Um, my honest opinion here. I think you look at. I think you look at overall the team. They're not going to be that middle of the pack type of thing. Um, their quarterback. I know you have was it Max Johnson? I think it was. I know obviously Miles Brennan should be the guy, but even then, um, the the, the feeling out of Baton Rouge is that Max Johnson will more than likely yeah, win the I mean, job, and Miles Brennan transfers out. Yeah. Yeah, he handled himself against Florida. I'll take that. Um, but when you look at it, though, I think, you you know, Keshawn Boutte and, you know, and you add on Stingley and, and Ricks, right, in, this, in the right. defense there. I don't see them beating Bama. I think they make it competitive. Uh, but let's be honest, Bama is just ridiculous. Um, every year, year in, year out, they're ridiculous. And so I see LSU maybe losing two or three games. I have to look at their schedule to, to give you an honest answer here. But I can see them losing maybe two or three games and coming in second or third, I just think Bama's too still even losing Mac Jones and Waddle and Smith. They've got too many. They've got too much firepower to really have. a am not saying a true threat, but you know, I, I think they right. still win the, the West. Uh, right. So to to your point here, I think LSU is a top three team for sure. Um, you know, after Bama, you know, it's really a toss up of how you know, LSU season goes, right? And, and you look at the, you know, the allegations going on and things going on down there, how that's going to impact their season, right? It's going to be interesting to see what happens and transpires in that time. Um, you know, they, I know they self-bowl banned last year, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, their team is still good. I'm not going to discredit that. Um, 
but it's just a matter of time. And, and you know, does that distraction, you know, cost them a game or two? Right. That, that's right. my ultimate opinion there. So, yeah, I just it's it's a uh, it's a touchy subject there. So LSU, I think it, it, it'll all depend on. I, I don't have their schedule in front of me. But I think they'll be a crash and burn team. But if they catch fire, they can beat anybody kind of deal. So if you get those cats over there buying in and Coach O gets them rolling, I mean, they'll if they believe they can win and they're hyped up for that game, they can beat anybody in the country. They have the talent to. I don't trust the coaching and I don't trust the locker room, like the 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 atmosphere. What's the word I'm looking for there? The uh, the mentality of the team. I think they are one of those teams that, you know, they, they get beat down on themselves and start – they're likely to crash and burn, start fighting with each other theoretically and yeah, they, crash I mean, and burn. They, they, could, they could go from, you know, you kind of like last year with Miss State, they lose that game out the gates and then they just crashed and burned. Eventually they got hit rock bottom and started playing better. But they're also a team that if they were to win three or four out the gates – you better watch out whoever that fifth team is because they're they got a head of steam and if they get if they get rolling, look out. So I mean I can't I can't disagree with you there. Um, so so overall overall I think uh, you, you know obviously I think Hans King will have enough time to kind of get into the system or whoever's your uh, starting quarterback at the time. I, I think you could pull out a you know I'm, I'm gonna have to look here. I, I think you look at a maybe a at, at worst. 10 and two, I think you could possibly go 11 and one, depending on how the all out turn or the turnout of the Ole Miss game. Um, yeah. And I think LSU is your biggest threat too, outside of Ole Miss and Alabama. So I think you go 10 and two is, is the worst case for me. Uh, you know, best case being 11 and one. Uh, yeah. But honestly, I think it makes the Alabama game that much more important. Uh, I, I genuinely think that, you know, I'd like to see Bama lose one just to see if A&M can squeak in. And, yeah, I think you'd have to beat Bama, though. But if, you know, it'd be interesting to see A&M in, in an SEC championship game, right? I, I think – Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, – a situation where we feel like there's really no big true threat to in the East. Uh, you, ha- you can't discount – or you can't discount the threat of Florida ever. Um but you know, you're, you're getting close to that point where you can, though. As long as Mullen keeps the train trending in this direction, I'm not worried about them long term. I, I get your point. I, I just think that you know, we've we saw, you know, for me, I don't like watching or don't overestimating anybody because I always look back to 2019 South Carolina and, <laughs> yeah. and that just stings to the point where I can't overlook anybody. I, yeah, that game cost me a hundred dollars. Thanks. Um, I just, so the thing there is, is right now you, you got to look at it this way. So you, if Auburn, I mean, if Georgia slips up, you have Auburn as your potential other loss, which is not looking to, they look like they got a pretty decent rebuild right now. Florida will consistently have LSU and nipping at their butt. So if you lose, if you lose to Florida, they'll probably drop one there. And then, you, you know, depending on what happens there, I just, I don't see I, – I like the trajectory of Georgia a whole lot more than I do right now. Like, Mullen, everything about him screams, I'm in over my head, I don't care about anything, and I'm just looking for the next big gig. 
Now, I could be wrong, but that's just the vibe I get from him. Yeah, um, I mean, it's been – I think it's kind of obvious that he doesn't really enjoy recruiting. Um, you know, there were obviously that talk of him going to the Jets. There was him linked to the Jets earlier. Like, you know, obviously and, – and the weird thing was he kept Grantham there, uh, but let go of the safeties and secondary coach. The safeties and – I mean, they, they were bad all around on defense. Oh, but no, their that front, defense was bad. Their front seven was why they lost to A&M. Um, the secondary yeah, I mean, was fine. Ran, ran down their throats. That's just yeah. the way that was. I, I think there was a time Anim gets the ball somewhere in the third quarter. I think it was like three minutes left, and they go on a ten plus. I, I want to say 50, close to fifteen play drive with nothing but runs, just right down their throats, milking the clock, and shorten that game to where even when Florida was scoring at will, um, they weren't stopping A and M. And people like to forget that. Spiller fumbles or Anai Smith fumbles to give Florida that game. So yep. a lot, I've seen a lot of Gators say that if, oh, if you, we don't fumble, we go down and kick the game-winning field goal. Well, you don't get the lead if Anai Smith doesn't fumble. So you, yeah, if you want to play a, that, that game, it goes it goes both ways. And I don't think Anai Smith fumbled to this day. The other one was quite obviously a fumble. So um, Anai Smith fumbled because he thought the play was over too early. Your guy fumbled because we knocked the ever-living crap out of him. So. Yeah, no, I was watching that game live, and you know that it was, um, it was, it was one of the things that I was really, I was kind of watching because obviously I just look, I'm a Gator hater, man. I want to see the Florida Gators <laughs> lose, right? You know? and, and watching that game live, I'm sitting here watching it, and then your guy fumbles, and I was like, oh, son of a bitch, because I know the offense, their offense could move, right? And I knew right. your defense was good, but their offense was really, really good. Mm-hmm. So I was worried that you know y'all were they were going to score and make it out of out of out of reach. Uh, right. Yeah, and then next thing you know, boom, fumbles it, and I was like, their defense is not going to hold up. And lo and behold, Calamon. The only the only, the only question was is the only question was is did we score too fast? And I was very worried about oh, us was, driving. Yeah, was I was worried about driving down the throats, scoring with a minute left, and then I'll tell you what though, Kyle Trask, you know, well, he lost a lot of credit because of the bowl game, and everybody was like, well, is is what he has around him. I, I was not – I was a Kyle Trask hater, and I came out of that game very impressed with the kind of throws he was making. And then I know you don't want to hear this, but Kyle Pitts is one of the most amazing football players I've ever mm-hmm. watched. This yeah, is I'm, ridiculous. I, just because I'm a Gator hater doesn't mean I can't respect it. And, you know, it was weird that, like, looking into it, you know, I was watching that game, and, and Pitts had a great game. And, and honestly, for y'all, Weidermeyer had a good game too. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but looking at Pitts, it was just something different about him. I don't know what it was going on, but he was just one of those talents. I guess just a hybrid uh, possibility there. Yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens in the NFL if they try to make him block it off. They just strictly throw him out wide and let him a receiver, run. That's a huge mismatch because he's got the speed. Right. To, right. You know, he's got that kind of speed out there, but mm-hmm. you know it's the NFL, so you really have to be careful because I mean the NFL will chew you up and spit you out. So, right. you know, but you can't teach size, right? So size can yeah, help them size out as well. And, yeah. So, hey, real real quick, you mentioned uh, Jalen Weidemeyer having a big game and uh, just a little shot at you and your boys real quick. Jalen Weidemeyer has been doing that. The only mm-hmm. people that have been able to slow him down are the Georgia Bulldogs because they absolutely mugged him at the end of that game in 2019. I'm just yeah, – though. I'm still – I was at that game in the rain, so I'm a little upset because I thought we were going down to win it. And that fourth down play, he was definitely hold, defensive holding or PI. I'll and I, I, I'd be reminiscent if I didn't, 
Yeah, if I didn't bring that up. No, that so. was a tough damn game. I think that's just a testament to our defense where it was at the time. Obviously, I'm just relating to what we're talking about here. Right. Yeah, you know, at the time we played a very physical brand of football, and you know this, y'all do the same thing. Right. Um, so you know, I think that was a testament to our defense being as physical as it was. 2019 was kind of a down year offensively for us. Uh, I know you don't keep up with it, but we so oh, many I, uh, the, it, the year before, and we were literally more one dimensional than I can ever really imagine in the in previous decade. Guarantee it. Um, we just didn't have a lot of talent. Like so, it, yeah. Obviously, Jake Fromm was Jake Fromm, but when you don't have the receiver and depth that we you know didn't have it at the time, so um, you know it made it difficult. But luckily for us, you know, you take the running backs and we were able to you know hold the you know mm-hmm. defensively hold you. Uh, and score just enough to to win the game and, and come out of there with a win. So, yeah. and, and, and Georgia fans know this as well. Kyle Kyle Field is one of those games or one of those environments where it's so I don't even know how to explain it. It's just so not hostile, but so intimidating if you ain't careful. Right. You know what I mean, like George, like George, a program like Georgia, right, and Alabama can go anywhere and really have a play in time. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, you look at that right there, but for the most part, anybody else comes in here. It's intimidating. It really is. Have you have you ever been to a game there? At Kyle uh, Field. Where, where at? At Kyle Field. No, no, no. I, no uh, okay. I, I, I'll tell you something. Kyle Field is crazy on TV, especially when it's a top five matchup and stuff like that. Or as soon as it goes to at night, everybody's like that, though. But what it doesn't do justice of is just the – it, it's one of those stadiums that doesn't get enough justice for when you're in person, you, you just can't explain it. And it's the crowd on top of you. So like when you're watching the game, there's so much stuff that's going on from kickoff or an hour before until the clock hits zero. When the, when the TV goes to commercial, they're still screaming the entire time. There's no break for the team. They're yelling the entire time, doing all kinds of stuff. Um, it's, it's kind of like the opposite of Auburn. Auburn's a great time, and I love that stadium. But the atmosphere is all induced electronically. They have good fans, and they're loud, and it's a fun stadium. But they they bring in a lot of fake noise and stuff like that, and it kind of kills the vibes. But um, or or I'm sorry, another one like that is Ole Miss. Ole Miss is very kind of dead stadium, really, in my opinion. Um. But Kyle Field is one of those where it doesn't seem as savage as it is in person. So if you ever, I don't, I don't know. They're about to redo the future schedules, but I would highly suggest going to Kyle Field. Um, Auburn itself is a great town. Don't get me wrong; Auburn's my favorite SEC town, and then Athens, and then Kyle Field and College Station, in that order. But um, those were the those were the three so far in my travels that if you had to go to one of those three towns and stadiums, go to those three Baton Rouge is the greatest stadium experience I've ever experienced, but it is not safe. It's not safe at all. And if you're with a big group of friends, it can be fun, but Baton Rouge, the town is awful, but the stadium tiger stadium is mm-hmm. probably the best atmosphere in college football. Yeah. I'm just knowing, you know, just uh, dealing with people that from Louisiana, I, I worked with people back when I was in the military, things like that. Right, they'll, they'll tell you Baton Rouge is not a fun place, um, but I mean, when it comes to Saturdays in in the Bayou, you know, everybody kind of Nothing. stops what they're doing and focuses on the Tigers. So I mean, yep. you get that collective energy, and that obviously it creates what what I would consider yeah. a truly intimidating, hostile environment, and, yeah. and that's what I, you know, that's what you 
that's what college football fans want to see. Right. But um, I'm going to have to wrap this up, but I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. No problem. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I love talking ball and you just got to tell me to shut up sometimes. I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll you get me talking ball. I won't shut up. So, <laughs> Um, but, uh, man, uh, I, I so, wanted to, Hey, I wanted to tell you real quick. You talk, I'm, I'm sorry. Last one. I promise you were talking about, uh, Jake Fromm, and he didn't have receivers. I came away very impressed with the receivers in general last year, relatively compared. I thought they were way overrated and then I watched them and I was wrong. Do you, do you know that anytime that, uh, Jake Fromm threw for more than 25 yards, y'all, uh, George's winning percentage in his career was, I think in the four hundreds. And it was in the 900s anytime he stayed under 25 attempts. Yeah. So if that kind of tells you the kind of quarterback Jake Fromm was and kind of stats that we do over at Dash Sports, um, we get all kinds of deep stats like that. And we go back and watch film and look at all that. Uh, if you ever want to look during football season, come check us out. But um, what is the deal with Pickens? Is he done at Georgia? Or do you think he's just going to come back? Or my, obviously, my opinion, he comes back. Um, yeah. Just and what, what do you have anybody to replace him? As in, like, yeah. Um, I, I think you know he's. It seems like his injury is is recovering well. Um, you know, looking at the schedule, I think you could see him come back in maybe the last couple games of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, depending on how our season's going at the time, which if it's expected, if it goes as as expected right now, see him ease his way in to get some snaps in this in a couple games leading up to the championship game for the uh, in Atlanta. Um, you know, and then obviously you have them ready to go for the playoffs if we make it there. Obviously, the SEC championship game. Uh, fortunately for us, we're, this is a this is the opposite of our 2019 situation where the you know you, we have right now you know Pickens being that guy, but we have so much depth there that we didn't have in 2019 after we lost those playmakers. Uh, you know, for our spring game, we didn't have Pickens, Blaylock, uh, you know, Marcus Roseby, nothing like that, and. After that, you know, we had a bunch of guys still stepping up and making plays, which was something that's really, you know, right. beneficial for me to see because I was worried about that, just seeing what it was like at the G Day. Um, but I think I think he'll come back and play. Um, just depends on how the season goes up until he's ready to come back. Um, yeah, you know, go from there. So, all right, man. Well, I won't keep you too much longer. Um, I wish that we could all just, you know, drop our jobs and do this for a living. But so. Not all of us are like J-Boy where we can just become – not all of us are like J-Boy where we can just become Paul Feinbaum overnight. So, Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting story for another day, right? Yeah, exactly. So he, he'll talk your ear off more than I will. So uh, I appreciate you having me on. I'm going to give me uh, – follow us at Dashboards, D-A-S-H underscore sports with a Z. Um, we could follow SEC and Big 12 sports and specifically the Texas teams, but – during football season, it's a free-for-all, and we'll cover whatever. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. All right, thank you. Yes, sir. Now i got to figure out how to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, thank you. Yes, sir. All right, guys, that is all for today. Uh, stay tuned. Hope you enjoyed the show. And on that note, go dogs. <laughs>